0: Turn with me please we have a reading and we have a text also for our reading please turn to John's Gospel chapter 19 we were on this reading uh, two weeks ago when we broke last week for the youth choir that were here and now I will read the same scripture again John's Gospel chapter 19 beginning to read at verse 13. when Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew Gabbatha. And it was the preparation of the Passover and about the sixth hour. And he saith unto the Jews, Behold your king, But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. And Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew, Golgotha, where they crucified him, and two other with him, on either side, one and Jesus, in the midst, let your eye run down for time's sake, the verse 28, and after this Jesus knowing, that all things were now accomplished, note that all things, are now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith I thirst, Now there was a set of vessel full of vinegar and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar he said it is finished and he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. The Jews therefore because it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day for that Sabbath day was a high day besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers and brake the legs of the first and of the other which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they brake not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and forthwith there came out blood and water. And he that saw it by record, and his record is true, and he knoweth that he saith is true that you might believe. Let your uh, flick over, please, to Leviticus chapter 17. Leviticus chapter 17. And we'll read two verses. One of them is really our text, but we'll read two verses 10 and 11. And whatsoever man there be of the house of Israel or of a stranger that sojourn among you that eateth any manner of blood, I will even set my face against that soul that eateth blood and will cut him off from among his people. For the life of the flesh is in the blood and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls for it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. We know the Lord will again bless the reading of his own word. Let us just bow in a word of prayer. <clears throat> Eternal Father we thank you that we have been singing what a faithful God of I and you are faithful in every way Father and we thank you that you sent your son to die on the cross of Calvary and that his blood makes atonement for our souls this evening. And we thank you Lord that we can come and praise and worship you and exalt you And lift up your name and Lord just magnify you in our hearts and in this place. We thank Father of those who have come from different areas and as our faces differ so do our needs. Left different family problems behind. Maybe someone sick at home, someone weary. Lord those who would love to be here that can't be here this evening whether they're away or whether they're ill. We pray for them also. We think especially even at this time of those who are tender after bereavement. McKinley family especially Lord that you would meet them at their point of need Lord Lord you're able to do exceeding and abundantly above all we could ever ask or think and we ask you to shut each and every one of us in with thine own self we ask you to speak Holy Spirit to the hearts and the lives and the minds of men and women in this place tonight and if there's one who has not yet come to saving faith in the Lord Jesus we pray Lord that you would find him that you would arrest him Lord may they bow the knee that you would save them. We ask it for Jesus name Father and we ask it for his glory. Amen. Our text this evening is Leviticus chapter 17 and verse 11. The Lord tells us he says for the life of the flesh is in the blood and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls for It is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. If you were to look up Chambers' dictionary, just simply looking up the word blood, you'll find it says something like this. Blood is the red fluid in the arteries and veins. It also says that blood speaks of kindred and kith and kin. It also speaks of your descent and it speaks of temper or anger. The New English Dictionary says it the same but also it says a little bit more. It says of blood. It is the essence of life. That blood is the essence of life. In our text in Leviticus chapter 17 And verse 11, it tells us three things about the blood and the atonement for a man and a woman's soul. The sacrificial blood of the lamb or the oxen, as it were, in Old Testament times, even a goat. First of all, the blood must be through a sacrificial death. In other words, something needed to die. In order for atonement to be made. Verse 11 tells us, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. The essence of life must be poured out in place of another. Secondly, our text tells us that the sacrificial blood must not only be shed, but it must be applied. Our verse again in verse 11 tells us, the Lord says, I have given it, that is the blood, I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. Notice it is applied, it is upon the altar. And thirdly, the sacrificial blood we are told is the only thing that Almighty God accepts and recognises for the atonement of the soul again verse 11 says for it is the blood not in anything else for it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul now when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden of Eden the Lord said they could eat of all the trees that were in the garden save the tree of knowledge of good and evil And the Lord said for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. And that old serpent the devil comes and he beguiles the woman Eve and she takes of the fruit or she takes of the tree of knowledge of good and evil and Eve then passes on to her husband and says her eyes were enlightened that it was good for food. In other words, She was attracted to it, and she was attracted by it. So Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. We're told that the Lord came every day and walked with Adam in the cool of the day in the garden of Eden. And as he walked, he talked with him. He communed with him. He fellowshiped with Adam. And we're told that when he sinned, when Adam's sin came, And Adam and Eve fell, as it were, from communion. And God and Adam and Eve were separated by their sin, one from another. Almighty God comes into the garden crying, Adam, where art thou? We covered that in the first part. But this is important for us to understand about the blood. He says, where art thou? And Adam was hiding and Eve was hiding. And he says, I paraphrase, we were hiding, he says, for we were naked. We heard your voice and we hid ourselves. And when the Lord looked upon Adam and Eve, they had made themselves aprons of fig leaves. They had tried to cover their sin and their shame. In other words, the innocency of Adam and Eve, the purity that was in Adam and Eve, had now gone. Their eyes were open to behold good and evil. And not only were their eyes open, but it was inherent within them now to disobey the word of the living God. And you and I have received the germs of Adam. Paul says we were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. In other words, every man and every woman received what the word is, is the fusus of Adam. And the fusus means the lineal descent from Adam It means that we have received the germination of Adam, that we are born sinners. You know, sinning does not make you a sinner. You sin because you are one. If you take a car and bring it to the hill beside our building here and you take it out of gear and let off the handbrake, what way will it roll? Naturally, it rolls downhill. And such is every man and woman because it is inherent in our very nature from our bloodline of Adam that you and I are sinners in our very nature. Remember I heard the story one time, the story of a scorpion that came to the riverside and the scorpion says to a frog, he says, I can't swim and I'm afraid of drowning will you let me get on your back and take me to the other side of the river? And the frog turns to the scorpion and says, no, because when you get on my back, I know you. You can't help yourself. You'll sting me and I will die. The scorpion promises the frog, I will not sting you if you take me to the other side. And the frog is coaxed around. He's talked into it and so the scorpion gets on to the back of the frog and the frog starts swimming across the river and as it gets to the other side the scorpion takes his great tail and thrusts right into the frog that great spike with poison and as he is dying the frog looks at the scorpion and says why? You told me you wouldn't do it why did you poison me? And the scorpion looked at him and says, I'm sorry, I just cannot help myself. It was in its nature. And such is every man and woman. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every single one of us have come short of the glory of God, Adam and Eve in the garden had sinned. God came down; they saw they were naked. They made themselves aprons uh, uh, from fig leaves. And the Lord came and saw them. And the Lord then goes and slays an animal. He kills an animal—the first reading we have of anything being slain in the Bible. He kills an animal. He takes its skins and he, its skin and he clothes Adam. And Eve. That's what's called atonement. Atonement means to cover. Now there's a lot more to this, but it means to cover. Whenever the blood was shed, the animal's skin covered Adam and Eve. And God had to make the covering. Their fig leaf apron was not enough. The word atonement was first used chronologically in the Bible. In Exodus chapter 29 and verse 33. That is the word itself. And it speaks of the consecration of Israel's high priest who was Aaron. And Aaron's sons as they would minister before the Lord. How they were to have blood applied to themselves. Before they could move into the presence of Almighty God in the tabernacle. Atonement is also mentioned ten times and no less in the book of Exodus. Exodus. 40 times in Leviticus, 17 times in the book of Numbers, one time in Second Samuel chapter 21 and verse 3, one time in 1 Chronicles chapter 6 and verse 49, one time in 2 Chronicles 29 and verse 24. It's also mentioned once in Nehemiah chapter 10 and verse 33. And it's mentioned in the plural in Exodus chapter thirty. And verse 10, atonements in that one occasion. So atonement is right through the Old Testament. Atonement is very scriptural for every man and woman to be covered from their sin. Every time the word atonement is used in the Old Testament, it's the word Kafar And it's for the anglicized spelling is k-a-w-f-a-r. As I said, it means to cover. But it goes way beyond that. The word of God speaks of atonement in different ways. Exodus 29 talks of atonement for consecration. It also speaks of atonement for sin. And in Exodus chapter 30, it speaks of atonement for the soul. Also, it speaks of it in our reading, Leviticus chapter 17 and verse 11. The word of God speaks about national atonement and personal atonement. And the atonement or the covering of the sacrificial blood was the only way, it's the only means that you and I can come as guilty sinners and appear and approach a holy God. The priests in Israel needed to have the blood applied. Everywhere in the tabernacle, everywhere in the greater temples when they were built, from the very outset to the very inset, from outside to the from the court and the gates right inside to the holy place where God's presence would come down, there was blood shed all over the place. Blood was applied to the vessels. Blood was applied to the altars. Blood was applied to the priests. And it was a covering. And God said he only recognizes the blood. And nothing but the blood. So, the word atonement, as I said, is the word kafar, to cover. It also means to expiate. Expiate simply means to suffer the penalty. When Adam and Eve sinned, a little animal suffered the penalty. In other words, that little animal became the substitute death for Adam and Eve at that point. And its blood was shed and the coats were put upon Adam and Eve. So it means to cover, to expiate, to suffer penalty. It also means to atone means to appease. Notice that word. It means to appease. It also means to be merciful or to show mercy. It means to pacify. So when God's seen the blood, it pacifies the anger of God before He comes in wrath to the sinner. Charles Wesley, the brother of John Wesley, the great Methodist preacher, he wrote the words, My God is reconciled. His pardoning voice I hear. He owns me for his child I can no longer fear. With confidence I now draw nigh. With confidence I now draw nigh. And Father, Abba, Father cry." he says the only way to come to him to cry Abba Father, Abba means Daddy is through the precious blood. So the blood, it is essential friend for your salvation. The blood must be shed and the blood must be applied. The little animal died at the start and we said the first week when we done this study that the blood, the shedding of blood It reminds us of the horrific nature of our sin. Atonement, as I said, means to cover. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 21. I want you to notice this. Genesis 3 and verse 21. It says, Unto Adam, also to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. Notice that. God clothed them. The fig aprons were no good. They were taken off. And Adam and Eve stood before God in their nakedness. And God clothed them with the skins of the animal. See the word clothed? It's a Hebrew word, lavash. And it's anglicised uh, spelling as L-A-W-B-A-S-H. You know what it means? To wrap around. People tend to see this. You see little... Uh, drawings of Adam and Eve in the garden and a wee man maybe standing behind a bush you know and you see one maybe Eve with her little bikini style sort of covering of animal skins it wasn't like that whatsoever it gives the idea that when God took the skins to cover or to atone To hide their shame, their sin and their nakedness. It gives the idea he took the whole skin and he wrapped them up completely in it. Gives the idea they were fully, totally and completely covered. They were fully, totally, totally and completely wrapped around and atoned for. For example in Job chapter 10 and verse 11. Job is crying on to Almighty God and listen to what he says. Thou hast clothed me with skin and flesh and hast fenced me with bones and sinews. In other words, Job, the real Job, the man inside the body, the real person, the intellect, the wills, the thoughts, the experiences, the one who loves, and hates, who likes, and dislikes, that one who is the man within. Just like you, my friend, the soul within you. Job, speaking as a spirit being, as a a soul, he cries unto God, Thou hast clothed me with skin and flesh, and hast fenced me with bones and sinews. In other words, Lord, you have clothed my soul with this body, this house that I live in. And friend, you have a body, a house that you live in, and I have a body, a house that I live in. And our soul is the inward man and the inward woman, the intellect, the will, and the feelings, friend. And friend, that intellect, will, and feelings must be atoned for. For it is our nature, that you and I are inclined to sin. Job says, You have covered me with skin. Now, I think if we we'll look at each ourselves, and if we were to look in the mirror, and we were to go uh, in the morning, you look, you'll see skin is from head to toe, skin is from front to back. We're covered in skin, completely wrapped in skin. This is the idea of atonement. That when the blood is shed, those who have the blood applied to the life, they are totally and completely atoned for. Friend, are you clothed tonight? Is your soul atoned for? Has the blood of the Lamb been applied to your soul for the atonement of your sin? Here's another scripture. Listen to this. Psalm 93 and verse 1. says, The Lord reigneth, he is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed with strength wherewith he hath girded himself. Gives the idea of God and his greatness and his glory and his majesty. The strength of the Lord is unending. In other words, he is completely engulfed in great majesty. Completely. He clothes himself with majesty. Same word. Listen to another one. Zephaniah The prophet Zephaniah, this is a scripture you you rarely hear preached on. Listen to this, Zephaniah chapter 1 and verses 7 and 8. Hold thy peace at the presence of the Lord God. For the day of the Lord is at hand. For, For the Lord hath prepared a sacrifice. Notice, for the Lord hath prepared a sacrifice. He hath bid his guests. Verse 8 says, and it shall come to pass in the day of the Lord's sacrifice that I will punish the princes and the king's children and all such are clothed with strange apparel. Notice that. Clothed with strange apparel. In other words, they're not clothed with the clothing of atonement. They're not clothed with the blood of the Lamb and the righteousness of Christ. They're clothed with strange apparel. Friend, strange apparel is the day when you come to Almighty God to stand before Him. And you say, well, I wasn't a bad person, God. Here I am. Friend, it's strange apparel it's when you come and say well I was at church and even went to Donna Cloney Elam for an evening and he'll say that won't save you it's strange apparel or you might turn around and say well Lord I should enter the kingdom of God simply because I have been doing good works and great deeds and I'm a nice person I'm a good citizen a mother a father or whatever and it's all strange apparel unto the Lord You're clothing yourself with your own fig aprons. Fig tree religion. You'll stand before Almighty God and he will say, you're naked in my sight and your sin is before me when your sin has not been atoned nor your soul been atoned for. Will you be found with strange apparel? I want to show you a little thing in uh, Matthew chapter 22. Just while we're here, I'll flick over to it and I'll read it to you. Matthew chapter 22. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son and sent forth his servants to call them. Notice that word, Bidden to the wedding. And they would not come. And he sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding. They would not come. Again he sent forth other servants saying, Tell them which are bidden. Behold, I have prepared my dinner. Notice, my oxen and my fatlings are killed. Here's sacrificial. Sacrifice, friend. My oxen and my fatlings are killed and all things are ready. Come on to the marriage. What was it Zephaniah said in his word of prophecy? Zephaniah says, Hold thy peace at the presence of the Lord, for the day of the Lord is at hand, for the Lord hath prepared a sacrifice. What sacrifice did God prepare? He prepared the sacrifice of his only begotten son, the place called Calvary. And he bids you this evening to come. He bids you this evening, he says, tonight, if you hear my voice, harden not your heart. He says, come, for all things are ready. It's all done. The blood's been shed. The oxen has been killed. It's all prepared for. All you need to do is come. Maybe you'll be like the one who'll say, I refuse to come. Not tonight. Let's go to Matthew 22 and look at this. Verse 5 says, But they made light of it. They made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm and another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready. But they which were bidden are not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways. And as many as ye shall find bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways. And gathered together all as many as they found. Both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests. Notice speaking of the Lord himself. When the king came in to see the guests. To look at them, to inspect them, to greet them, to say hello. This is in the kingdom age. He saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how cameest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast them into outer darkness. There shall be a weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called but few are chosen. You see friend, the wedding feast has yet to be when God calls his blood washed people. But the invite is to you this evening. The invite is to every man and woman to receive Christ and that you would be clothed and atoned for. that you'd be born again of the spirit and washed in the blood of the Lamb. I ask you, friend, answer it truthfully to yourself and in your own heart, Are you saved? Well I go to my church, strange apparel. Are you saved? Well, I'm a good Protestant, strange apparel. Are you saved? Well, I'm a Roman Catholic, strange apparel. Are you saved? Well I I, I do mass and I I, I do the rosary and I do strange apparel, strange apparel it's strange apparel friend. It's all strange apparel to God. God only recognises the blood of his son the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you saved? Told that the word here for clothe means to wrap around completely. Almighty God himself clothed Adam and Eve. He clothed their nakedness and he clothed their shame. For the life of the flesh was in the blood. And an animal or someone needed to die and take their place. In Genesis chapter 3, the Lord sees the sin of Adam and Eve and he promises a redeemer. Genesis chapter 3 And verse 15 tells us of the promised one that is to come. The Lord says that there would be enmity between the serpent's seed and the woman. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. Thou shalt bruise his head, it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Here speaking of the Lord Jesus going to come, we told you the first time, the woman Eve, when she receives her firstborn son Cain, she says, I have gotten a man of the Lord. She had not indeed. She thought it was that verse, that promise being fulfilled. She thought she had the God man. She thought she had Messiah, the Redeemer and the Savior. And oh, we're told Cain was off the wicked one. How wrong can you be, friend, that you're standing before God? So we're told that the Lord promises a redeemer in Genesis 3, 15. You read Genesis 3, then we're told of the judgment he pronounces upon man and woman and also upon the serpent. He says it would happen that there would be an atonement made until the Lord Jesus Christ himself would come. In our reading this evening in John chapter 19, we're told that they come to break the legs of, of the three that were crucified, Christ was in the midst of them. They went to one and broke his legs. They went to another and broke his legs. It speeded up their death that they could get them to die quickly, take them down of the tree and put them out of sight. But when they came to Jesus, he was dead already. And the soldier were told, it took a spear. Verse 34 says, But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and forthwith came there out." Blood and water. Here was the sacrificial death. Here was the blood to make an atonement for the soul. And First John chapter 3 and in verse 16 says, Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. He is our great substitute and he died in our place, in our room instead. So let me say something about this then. Let me round up this word on blood. The word blood means Kindred, kith, kin, descent. We have Adam's kith and kin descent, his germs in ourselves. It is the essence of life and it means temper or anger. Now that's the dictionary term. Let me tell you what the the Hebrew term is. The Hebrew word is a word dom. D-A-W-M, dom. That's the anglicized spelling of course. And the word dom simply means that which when shed causes death. You think about that. But sure, that's natural, isn't it? Somebody sheds your blood, you're going to die. Yeah. But the blood of Jesus was shed for you, friend. And it caused his death. That you would be atoned for. That your soul would find atonement. Jesus' blood was shed, caused his death. And are you going to come with strange apparel to God and forget about the blood of Jesus? Do you think Almighty God will accept everything you have to offer and cast away the blood of his son? So this word dom also gives the idea of the juice of the grape, the blood of the grape. The Lord Jesus, in the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, "Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me." And likewise, after the same manner, also he took the cup after supper, saying, "This cup is the new testament in my blood. Grape juice shared for many or for you, depends on the, the 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 evangelist that you read for the remission of your sins." Jesus said, "This cup." Shared for you. It's a little strange, do you think, that the word Adam, as in Adam and Eve, the word Adam actually is made up of two words, aw and dam, a w d a m, and it is actually the word for blood. The d a m is the derivative of the word for blood. Do you know what Adam's name means? Strange, we were away, we were down at this wee gift shop one time, Alison and myself it wasn't that long ago and we are down south and we seen these wee name plaques and we seen one with Adam's on it after David and Liam Adams we seen Adam's on it and I took a photograph of it, it was too miserable to bat, it was too dear and <laughs> sorry, but love you's more than that, you know and, and, and this little plaque Said Adams on it, and it gives all the names, what it means at the back. And you know they got it a hundred percent right. According to the Hebrew. You know what Adam means? One who shows blood in his face. One who shows blood, Dom, Adam, one who shows blood in his face. It also means to be flush. It's getting a little warm in here. We're getting a little flush, aren't we? See the red faces. It means to be rosy, to be red, to be ruddy. When Adam sinned in the garden, he hid because he was naked. Him and Eve looked at one another. Their innocence was gone. Sin had come into the world. It brought forth death. The animal was slain. Cain had killed Abel and every one of them. The blood showed in their face. When you're embarrassed, the blood shows on your face. Now, can I ask you something? If we were to get all of your thoughts privately, your thoughts that no man or woman knows, if we were able to get them and show them on the screen where we show the words here and the wall behind us, how would you feel? How would you feel? Would the blood show in your face? Would the blood come up in your cheeks? Would you be ashamed and embarrassed? Because there's one day we'll all stand like a pin of glass before Almighty God. And the only way that these sinful minds and hearts of ours can ever be cleansed is to be under the blood of the Lamb. when you come under the fountain of blood he says the forgotten son the forgotten daughter remembered no more Adam means to show blood in the face Whenever Cain and Abel came, Abel brought a, a, a sacrificial animal, he set it upon the altar, and he slit the animal's throat, and the blood came out, it was applied to the altar. The Lord said in Leviticus 17, 11, I have given thee the blood, he says, upon the altar. And when did God give us the blood upon the altar? When they kneeled, Jesus hand and foot, and the soldiers pierced his side, came out blood and water. I want to show you. Time is flying, isn't it? I've only got my first point done. I might have to do another week. I'll see how we get on. I want to do something else next week. The blood being applied to the altar must be applied to your heart. And the word atonement um, As I said, it's many times through the scriptures, but in Genesis chapter 6, we're going to tell you a story that everybody knows. If I ask you, have you ever heard of Noah building the ark? We all know that, don't we? The Lord says to Noah, the violence had filled the earth and the hearts of all men and women was only evil continually, all day, every day. He says, Noah, build an ark. Gives him the dimensions of the ark, three stories high. The length of it, the breadth of it. He even tells him the wood to make of it. Listen to what he says in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 14 to Noah. He says, Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark. Notice this. And shalt pitch it. Notice the word. Thou shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. Pitch and pitch. Notice that. Pitch and pitch. See the word, thou shalt pitch it within. Know what the word is? It's the Hebrew word for atonement. It is the word kavar. Now, the ark or- the is a type of our Lord Jesus Christ that all who are in it will be secured and saved by God. It's a foreshadowing, it's a type of Christ to come. And he says, in that ark, when you pitch it, it gives the idea of bitumen. You know the old tar and the bitumen you would put on roofs? He says, put it on the inside, he says, because it's going to be an atonement on in the inside. He says, then do the outside also. But the word pitch slightly changes, but comes from the same root word, but is the word kofor. And it means a coating, a covering. Now notice this, it means a redemption price and a ransom. A redemption price and a ransom. So when they get into the ark and the, 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 the water comes and the ark starts lifting off the ground and it's tossed to and fro. The inside pitch is the covering friend. It's watertight, covered completely, wrapped around with pitch. The Lord says, when you pitch it within, he says it gives the idea of expiation, someone or something takes the penalty you should have had. The ark took the brunt of the water. And on the outside, the ransom was paid in the veins of the Son of Man, in the veins of the man of Galilee, the Lord Jesus Christ. In there, those veins was the covering of our sin. And when he hung and bled and died on the cross of Calvary and shed his blood, we were pitched within, for he took our punishment. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and Yahweh hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah 53 verses 5 and 6. In other words, Almighty God pour out the wrath upon His Son. He was our expiation. He took the punishment. He took our place. He died in our room instead. And His blood atones for all our sin. Philip blessed wrote, Guilty, vile, and helpless way. Spotless Lamb of God was he. Full atonement. Can it be? Hallelujah. What a saviour. I'll say this one verse. Look, I've loads of stuff. i maybe do another week. I'll say Do it some other time. just want to look at this one covering. And we'll close. In the book of Exodus, when Israel are in Egypt and Moses comes and they're told to take the blood of the lamb put it upon the door posts and the door lintels of the house and the Lord says that he would be coming through Egypt that night. turn to Exodus chapter 12 if you would like to turn with me. Exodus chapter 12 if you'd like to turn please. The Lord says that the, the blood must be applied To the door posts and the door lintels of the house. Verse 22, you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel in the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin and none of you, notice this, none of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. Notice, none of you, he says, don't go across your door until the morning. Why? Verse 23. For the Lord will pass through. Pass through. Notice judgment. Pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he saith the blood upon the lintel and upon the two sides of the post the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto you, into your houses to smite you. The Lord says tonight I'm passing through Egypt but when I see the blood I will pass over you. In other words, your covering is the blood. Your protection is in the blood. Your salvation is through the blood. It's the blood friend. And he says, don't go out of your house until the morning. Do you see if an Israelite had have opened his door and the blood was on the door posting the door lintels and he thought I'll nip down the street for a little moment and had a walked out and the death angel came. He was calling a sin and he had died. The destroyer would have had him. And friend, if you're not under the blood and you're caught out in your sin and the destroyer was to have you, friend, I hope there's no one goes out the door tonight without being under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't go out tonight without being under the blood of the Lamb. Don't leave here without being saved and saying, I need to trust in the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son. That cleanseth me from all sin. I'm starting to get more excited now. I'm ready to preach again. So I better stop. I better stop.